0: The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Movement. Listen, um, many of you have been here before with us, uh, and some of you, this is your first time here. My wife and I, we, we moved here four years ago to start this church, and we grew up in the great Nation of Texas, can I get it a what what for Texas? Yeah, there's three of you in here, and you'll hate all of us. That's cool. Uh, and and there things are a little bit different than anywhere else. And uh, what that means is nothing really. Uh, but but my mom and dad, the way they raised us, a little different than maybe the way that you were raised. Okay, so we had a pool in my backyard growing up, and. And uh, it was, you know, awesome, right? I was four years old, maybe five, and I'm swimming in the shallow end of the pool. And my dad was just, you know, just a beast of a man, six foot four, uh, you know, just huge. I, I don't, I'm just six foot fat and I don't know what happened to me. And and I, I didn't know how to swim. And so he decided that it was time for me to learn how to swim. And so he walked in the pool and he said, Carrie, you know what? I believe in you and this is going to be a great summer. And, I'm going to teach you how to swim. Here's what a stroke looks like. And, and so we're going to first, I'm going to put my hand under you. You're going to kick. Actually, no, that didn't happen. He walked over to where I was, grabbed me by the arm, yanked me out of the pool, walked over to the diving board. Remember pools used to have diving boards before people got all crazy about getting hurt when you play. It's just part of what happens. And walked out to the edge, not like a fake diving board, the one with a big spring that would like, you could do like two flips on it, right? Man, how many of you miss those days? Yeah, right, breaking your arm, but it's so cool. And uh, and he literally walks, puts his hand under both my armpits, and I'm just kind of floating, no floaties floating in the air. And I'm going, Dad, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? He doesn't say anything, and his silence was deafening. And he walks out to the end of this diving board, and he goes, Whoop. I can remember four or five years old going, can't even breathe as I'm flailing through the air and I hit in the deep end and I can't swim I'm gonna die dad and guess what happened I swam and I've been swimming ever since and today visitor Christian I'm gonna throw you into the deep end we're gonna talk about sex oh man somebody's excited I'm not, so uh, the title of this series is called Let's Talk About Us, Baby. Yeah, yes. And uh, this is going to be interesting, to say the least. We're in a series called Shades of Gray, where we're unpacking God's biblical truth for every area of our life. And many of us are going through life thinking that there are no real standards, or actually worse yet, Creating our own standards for what is truth and what is acceptable and what is godly. And many of us are missing the very essence of what God is saying about our life. And I'm not talking about some of the big stuff, although today I am. And in light of the recent events in our nation with the Supreme Court ruling and the nation almost being divided again for things that are even bigger than politics, I felt this is interesting how God orchestrated this because we plan to end this series on the topic of God's purpose and design for sexuality. And he has a plan for how everything works. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I'm excited about it because I'm just going to unpack what the scripture says. And I want to remind you that Shades of Grace starts next week. So if you don't like what I have to say, email me at carrie at No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really. No, please feel free to email me. You can stop me afterwards. We'll have some conversations. You guys, how many of you like Starbucks? Raise your hand. Yeah. Have you ever gone to Starbucks and and done an order for like two or three or four people? Yeah. It's a it's a nightmare. Uh Uh-huh. Because they're like, I'd like a grande this and a you know, venti this and some other Latin word I don't even understand, and you get to the counter and they're like, Would you like four pumps or six pumps? And you're like, I don't even know. Two shots or soy or half or no? They just said cappuccino. Is there, can I just, can I leave right now? Is that okay? (laughs) It doesn't matter what they text you. You just don't get all the information. They leave that one part out. Then you bring in their drink, like, ew. And you throw it at their face, right? Well, today, I guarantee you, there will be things, questions that this is going to surface. There will be things that I'm not going to be able to hit on today. In 35 minutes as we t- unpack God's plan for sexuality. So as it happens, please don't just leave ticked off or don't leave frustrated or discouraged or with questions, but write them down. I'd love to have conversation with you about it and we'll unpack more of God's truth for you and for me. Can we do that this morning? That takes the pressure off of me and it takes the pressure off of you. Is that cool? Let's pray. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you have a plan and a design for everything and everyone in this room. God, there's no standard that you have left untouched, but for every decision we make, your word has something to say about it. And so today, as we unpack the topic of sexuality, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would come in this room in a powerful way. God, for those that are here that may have past experiences in relation to sexuality that actually regurgitate hurt and pain. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would bring peace and comfort in Jesus' name. For those that are here that are questioning and not certain, unsure of what the next step to take is, God, would you bring peace and comfort in Jesus' name. Father, today our hope is not that condemnation will be communicated, but that your purpose and grace would be communicated. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, just means I'm with you. I agree. That's cool. That's all that means. Let's try that again. Everybody said Well, let's jump into the deep end, shall we? Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Man, this is one of the greatest statements that Jesus ever made. And what he did in one statement is lump every single human ever to live on this earth into the very same category, no exceptions, he says, yo, I'm here, the kingdom, listen, everything that you need, it's right here, all in this package, in Jesus, and he said, the response is to repent, now notice, what he doesn't say is, I need you to repent, and you to repent, or all of those with this sin, I want you to repent, those of you that are kind of on the other areas, you're okay, what does he say, he says, repent, he puts us all in one category, Man, that's awesome and that's good news for some of us here today. All in one category. He never separates one sin from another. He simply says... Repent. And you know what repent means? Repent means I'm going this way and God is that way. I'm going to turn my attention and my focus onto who God is. Even if God is that way and I'm going this way, it's still off. And I'm going to correct my course and pursue God with everything that I am. He's saying, hey, listen, for all of humanity, for every person that ever has lived or will live, let's begin the process of transformation. We all need to repent. Can I just get an amen? For that, awesome. Y'all talk to me today, that'd be good. Listen, and then he unpacks some different challenges in relation to things that we walk to, And I wanna unpack those in relation to sexuality today. And I'm gonna keep this PG-13, so just settle. In fact, it, it, because of the recent events in our nation, I had to kind of correct my course and do a little bit of an adjustment and hit on some topics that I hadn't even planned to hit on. So hope you guys can journey with me today. Matthew chapter 15 Verse 19, Jesus is addressing issues of sin with people. And he says this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, uh, a false witness and slander. These are what defile a person. So Jesus in one passage of scripture begins to unpack the things that sin, the dirt of sin, the filth of sin. And how it begins to affect us as people. And notice that he says, out of the heart. He's saying that from the desires that are within. Not because of external circumstances. But because of choice. Because right here, in what makes us up. And when Jesus is referring to the heart, he's not literally referring to the physical beat of your heart. He's talking about that thing that I like to call the knower. That place where feelings emerge from that place where emotions emerge from right there in the heart he's saying right there the desires that are within you that's where this filth comes from saying it's problematic and not just one particular person not just one particular group but everyone needs to repent and all of us have this issue of filth on the inside that we've got to adjust aren't you glad you brought your friend for the first time today Turn to somebody who needs to say, he's talking to you. Oh, don't do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> and somebody's like, wait a minute. Let's talk about that word sexual immorality. Sexual morality. The Greek word for this is pornea. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Pornea. It's where we get the word pornography from. Pornea. And this word literally in the Greek, when you break down the meaning of this word... It literally means any type of sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage. Any type of sexual activity outside of the confines or the union of marriage. This would include adultery. This would include premarital sex. This would also include prostitution. The list continues. This, is, this also includes homosexual sex. Pornea. That's what this word means, Literally. See, right there, that's the, the spirit of sexual immorality. That's what porneia means. And so some of you may be thinking, okay, what does that mean outside the confines of marriage? What if I really, really love this person? What if we're really committed and we plan to get married in the future? Or what if this is the person I want to give my life to? The question is, are you married? And if not, and it's sexual activity, it's off limits. Jesus was talking about this as sexual immorality. What about if we're engaged? What about if we're, we're not going to home base, if you will, but we're just kind of flirting with the issue. We're kind of skirting around. We're not going all the way. Is that acceptable? Is that what Jesus was talking about when he said sexual immorality? And listen to what Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 3 says. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Verse 3, check this out. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual morality. He said, stop flirting with the notion. Stop messing with the idea of sexual immorality. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Don't even let there be a hint of it in your life. Even if you're committed, even if it's the person you say, I want to spend my life with this individual. Even if you say, I, I'm going to make, for the rest of my life, we're going to go walk down the aisle. I'm going to say, I do. We're going to exchange rings. And the scripture is saying, wait, wait, wait. The standard is don't even let there be a hint of this sexual immorality. Don't even flirt with the issue. What about pornography? What if I'm not physically touching somebody? And what if I'm just viewing this This idea, what if I'm just clicking on this side and I'm not really hurting anybody in the process? Jesus has an answer for this as well. Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28, it says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Well, listen to verse 28. Jesus just kind of always kicks it up a notch. He always just takes it and goes, hey, but wait a minute. Let's just see what the heart's doing. So sure, there's a law that says don't commit adultery, but you can actually do so in your heart. He says this in verse 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within her heart, within his heart. Now, this is talking to a man, but this applies to both women as well. He said, hey, listen. Get away from the sexual morality. Don't even let there be a hint. And it isn't even just about touching. But if you're watching somebody jog by in clothing that may be a little bit revealing, and your mind begins to wander, if you begin to entertain a fantasy in your mind with somebody outside of your spouse, it's just like committing adultery in your heart. It's crazy, isn't it? And even in this room, the tension is palpable. Isn't it? You can feel it. Don't act like you can't. You can feel it. Why? Because in our world, culture has started to dictate what the standard is and should be. But the scripture is truly clear. Now, please bear with me, because I know some of you in this room might be frustrated or angry or hurt with what I'm saying to you. What I'm not sharing with you is my opinion. What I'm sharing with you is what I believe the scripture is saying to you and to me. And I believe that there's freedom within that, right? For the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Please journey for the next few minutes, 20 more minutes and we're finished. But I believe God wants to bring freedom for you and me. And I'm going to finish the sermon with what I am not saying as well. This sermon isn't just about what we're trying to communicate or what our point is, but also what the scripture is not saying as well. So it doesn't matter if it's flirting with the issue or even if it's just something that I'm looking at that's inappropriate. The Bible is saying that too is sexual immorality. So this just begs the question or more of the statement that marriage is the key to intimacy. And herein lies the challenge culturally within our nation today. Doesn't it? Jesus was faced with challenges culturally in his day as well. See, the religious leaders of the day were always trying to trap Jesus because he had found a way to inspire people. And it was challenging the system that they knew, yet it was embodying the truth that they had been taught. And people, that was good. Dang, somebody tweet that because I need to remember when I get done because I didn't have that in my notes. You can just clap, it's okay. Man, somebody post that. We'll rewind that, listen to it in a minute. My point is... Got the glory on me for a moment. My point is, <laughs> the Pharisees, these religious leaders, were always trying to trip up Jesus with, with the law of the land because they were trying to ask him questions that if he answered one way, then they could come in and kill him because he said this is contrary to the law of Moses. And if he answered another way, then the people would leave and they would, he would lose his influence. So they're always doing that. And so they came to him on the topic of divorce. Because in that day, there was this new theology going around, circling around divorce, saying that if your wife burnt your food, it was grounds for divorce. Well, my God, we wouldn't have made it past the first year at my house. Because I burnt the food that she, I burnt, I was the the cook. And so they were just, there was this theology. I'm going to moonwalk out of that one. I'm going to moonwalk out. There was this theology circling the time about divorce, and so they thought, you know what, let's, uh, let's just kind of trip him up here. Let's just trip him up, and they ask him about divorce, and it's interesting what he uses as an analogy, which is painting a picture for the foundation of our theology. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 and 5, and the Pharisees came up to him, and they tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And by the way, this is not about divorce, so just settle, just settle for a moment. This sermon right now is not about that. He said, is it lawful for, to divorce one's wife for any cause? Remember, they're talking about burn your food, get a divorce, we're all good, right? Verse 4, Jesus answered, have you not read? So it's kind of like, kind of like, insulting them here, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they actually memorized the first five books of the Bible. You know the, the thing that you have a hard time reading one verse of on version sometimes? And me? They had the whole first five books memorized. That includes Leviticus. Memorized. And so Jesus is like, oh, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Have you not read? Have you not read? And he he begins, and he not only that, but he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning? So he goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one, in the very beginning. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, and that word therefore is essential. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. He's saying there's a union, a godly spiritual union that takes place in a marriage, but not just in a marriage. Jesus is saying, hey, the guy who created humanity, have you not read this? He created them male and female. The word therefore insinuates that because of their sexual diversity, the two shall become one. They shall leave their father and mother for a union that is sanctioned by God. And this is challenging. This is not exciting in our culture today. But Jesus is saying that a holy marital union is between a male and a female. He's saying the sexual differences alone is what creates that journey. In the first place. And what's interesting about the Bible, as you begin to explore, read the Word. The Bible starts off with the story of a man and a woman who get married. And the Bible ends with the story of Jesus and his bride. All throughout Scripture, there's a type and shadow using the relationship of marriage between a husband and a wife as a type and shadow of Jesus' role and the role that he wants to play in our lives. And this is not an easy topic to talk about. And this is a controversial topic. But what Jesus is simply saying here is there's no other kind of union other than between a man and a woman. No other kind of godly union, I should say. Now, notice what I'm not saying here and what I am saying here. He's saying marriage is a unique union. The union between a man and a woman is the only type of union that can lead to one flesh. What this is not saying is that you can't be in a homosexual relationship and not love someone. Man, do you feel the tension right here? It's almost this point where either you're angry or we don't know how to talk about this. And I believe that's largely in part because for centuries, the church has done a horrible job at reaching people who don't know Jesus. How many of you in here in this room have ever been in a place where you didn't know Jesus? Would you just raise your hand? All of us should have our hand up now. And this creates such a tension. Yet the scripture is very clear about it. The scripture is very clear. This is not an issue about the strength of feelings, but the kind of union that God has designed. And Jesus goes on in this passage of Scripture and he unpacks what that union should look like. And in just a moment, I'm going to read this verse that's on the screen Matthew 19 10. So he's unpacking in the verses leading up to verse 10, he's unpacking what that union should look like. And as he does so, the disciples begin to freak out. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If that's the case, if that's what the issue is, then maybe nobody should get married. This seems a little bit too challenging. we will take that verse down just for one second because that's not exactly what I'm talking about yet. If that's the case, if this is what marriage should look like, the disciples, those closest to Jesus, they're like, no, 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 wait, 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 hold on. Maybe we just shouldn't get married at all. Maybe we should just leave it alone. And then in verse 10, Jesus kind of flips the script on them a little bit. In Matthew 19, he says this, verse 10. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. Verse 11 says this, but he, being Jesus, said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. Check this out, the next verse. We're waiting. Verse 12, this is kind of awkward. He says... For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. You're like, what, Jesus? What does this even mean? The disciples come up and he talks, Jesus is talking to them about the principles and the confines of marriage. And the disciples are like, man, maybe we just can't even do this. Maybe we're not holy enough. And now what Jesus doesn't say is, you know what? Okay, cool then just try before you buy, right? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? What you probably should do is cohabitate or explore. Just be sexually active. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, hey, you know, date around and just figure out what flavor you actually enjoy. Are y'all with me again now? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say play the field. He doesn't say get your game together. He starts talking about eunuchs. If you don't know what a eunuch is, let me kind of enlighten you. I'll just kind of keep it PG for now. Eunuchs were either through vocation or circumstance celibate. Many of them were eunuchs because of choice. There's a lot goes into that, but just Google eunuch when you get home. Be careful. Put a safe filter on. This is interesting. So, Jesus talks about the union between a husband and a wife. And his followers freak out, they're like, man, maybe we just shouldn't even get married. And so he starts talking about eunuchs who are celibate. What Jesus is saying here, as far as he's concerned, the only godly alternative to a marriage between a man and a woman is celibacy. Man, that gets intense. And the beat drops. You know, um, my six-year-old daughter, we talk about her all the time. She's like, Olaf, you know, when she walks in the room, she's going to say hi and hug everybody. We got out of the car today downstairs, and Pastor Joe pulls up. And she goes, Pastor Joe? And he's like, Avery Lane? And she's like, what's up? And she's six, right? And she's the kid who constantly wants to be around people. If you sit on the couch, she's in your lap. She wants to hang with people. If there's a party, she's not at it. She's in it, in the middle of it. Can I get an amen for Avery? Right? And this girl, man, it's summertime, right? And when summers happen, that means she needs to be entertained 24 7. You know what happens when you're not entertained and you get bored? You might notice this. The first time you get bored, what happens? You get hungry, right? I'd be skinny if I had something to do all the time. I'm kidding. She gets hungry. So we just ate lunch 20 minutes ago, and she comes out like this. Oh, I'm so hungry. We just had a burger from Five Guys. You're fine. I'm just so hungry. So what does my wife say? You can have an apple. You can have a rice crisp with organic peanut butter and raisins that are organic. A gluten-free rice crisp. Would you like some green juice? How about a banana? What's she saying? Okay, if you want to eat, you can eat, you can have a healthy snack. Well, Avery doesn't want a healthy snack. What does she want? Peanut butter cups? The dark chocolate ones from Trader Joe's? Can I get an amen? Jesus lives in those things. That's the truth. Some of you are going to go home today. That's all you heard. What did you talk about today? Peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's? That's probably better. What does she want? Ice cream? Popsicles? Mom, I'm hungry. Okay. You can have an apple. What is she saying? I know what you want, but you can't have that. Here's the alternative. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. I know this is hard, but I didn't write the Bible, man. Don't get upset at me. You talk to Jesus about that. But here's the bigger point. See, right now some of you in this room are are thinking that I am talking about one group of people. And that's not what Jesus was doing. Because he said, Hey, yo, I'm here. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Everybody needs to repent. So what does that mean? Look at me in the eyes right now for one minute. That means according to the Bible, all of us are broken sexually. We're all out of sync with God in some area of life. Just the bottom line. Just the bottom line. Including sexual desires. Every single person in this room has never stayed 100% pure sexually your whole life. Whether it was your thoughts or your actions. All of us in this room are attracted to something that we shouldn't be. All of us have one desire or another that we shouldn't. That's who Jesus is talking to. I think for so long the church has just been so good at separating sinners. And that's sad, isn't it? And so we've segregated ourselves for so long from the people who need Jesus most sinners. And guys, all of us are sinners. In that sense, no one in this room is straight. We're all a little skewed. We're all a little skewed. Whether you're aiming kind of at Jesus, a little further away from Jesus, or the opposite direction, we're all a little skewed. And that's who Jesus is talking to. There are constraints to sexuality, but we get that, right? Right? Nobody runs to the architect of a roller coaster and says, why did you put that safety bar in? (laughs) This ride would be so much better if I fell out of California screaming, on the upturn. (laughs) Dang you, architect, engineer, whatever. Nope, said no one ever. Now, it hurts if you're a little larger (laughs) in the midsection. You're like, ah. And they come out and push it, and you want to slap that person who hates their job, but whatever. So I put my knee up now like this. Like, I'm fine. I'm good. Oh, I can breathe. But nobody ever got upset. But the guy who designed the roller coaster designed for fun because he put in some constraints. Guys, God designed sex not just for procreation. If he did, it wouldn't be so awesome. But there are constraints man I'm glad to know y'all are back with me there are constraints if it's not your spouse that's the constraint i mean that just kind of serves for everything so if you're online that ain't your spouse problem hopefully we <laughs> oh. go back to my notes <laughs> I don't know how to recover from that one. <laughs> hey, can I, let me talk to the Christian for a moment, right? Jesus was clear. He didn't play games. He was like the Latuda commercial online, right? Take Latuda, it will make everything great, but you might lose your left arm, experience diarrhea for eight months, go blind. Men will have babies and women won't. It's going to be amazing. Take this pill, but you'll probably commit suicide and end up in, you're like, I don't ever want to take that pill. (laughs) This is a horrible metaphor, but Jesus is kind of like that. (laughs) He said, hey, Mark 8. Calling the crowd to him. He said, hey, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And then what does he say? Take up his cross and follow me. Now, you and I immediately think of the word picture because Jesus died on the cross. And we look back to that. But this is before you died on the cross. This is the worst execution. You know, when, when you were sentenced to death by crucifixion, the moment you would literally take up your cross to walk to the execution point, you no longer had rights. I don't know what that is, but that's awesome. That's our theater. Somebody go tell them to turn that off. We're going to have some announcements while we're doing this. Hopefully it'll kind of placate to the sermon. And if the movie comes on, we'll just grab popcorn and distribute it to everybody. Are y'all tracking with me? I think that's fallout, boys. This is perfect. <laughs> I don't even know what to do right now. <laughs> I hope somebody's running instead of walking, though. You think, can y'all, can y'all press through with me? All right. So the moment they would take up their cross, this is a mobile church. I don't know if I can press through. <laughs> we'll just pass out popcorn to be good. The moment they would take up their cross. No, it's still there. I can hear it. Anyways, the moment they would take up their cross, they would lose all rights. So the people would come to the streets and they would start throwing eggs and rocks and everything. So much so that the people who were crucified, literally, they got to the point of execution and they would take a deep breath. Like, thank God I'm finally here. Because what I just walked through was so horrible. And what is Jesus saying? Welcome to Regal Theaters. I hope you brought your Regal card with you. Jeremy, Shane, I want y'all to come up here and just add noise with me. That'll be good. We'll make this thing happen. He's saying, hey, there's no <laughs> I would so shut it down, but I've got to get to one more point. He said, listen, there's just no, there's no, there's, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to do right now. This is the best part. The people listening to the podcast later are going to be like, what is happening? I can't hear anything. He said, there's constraints to follow me. You know, I think sometimes what we do is we domesticate that verse, Right? We just say, "Hey, this is more about like you know what? I've already had round one and round two of desserts, so I'm going to deny myself and push away round three, or I'm going to take up my cross." It's Thanksgiving. My in-laws are coming in town. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap. The soundtrack just shut off. Hey, we we say, "I'll take up my cross." My in-laws are coming in town. They're staying at my house for Thanksgiving. I'll take up my cross. But no, Jesus is saying, "You and I have to say no." Sometimes, in fact, more often than not, to my flesh, to the things that I want. I lose my rights and I take up my cross. There are some things that you're going to want to do sexually that you just have to abstain from. And it doesn't matter what your orientation is. So for a minute. That's the price of following Jesus. I didn't write this. He did. And this isn't culturally acceptable right now. But he comes back. And this is the amazing part about Jesus. Is he says in everything, if you just be obedient, even when it's challenging and difficult, there's a blessing that follows. There always is. In Mark 8, 35, he says, whoever would save his life will lose it. He said, you can remove the constraints and do what you want to do, but you'll eventually lose the very essence of who you are. But whosoever loses life and accepts it, sometimes there's some constraints. For my sake and the gospel, he will save it. Other translations say he will find that life. I believe there's three blessings that follow the obedience of the word. Number one is the blessing of a family. And that's what we are right here as a church. We're not just meeting in a movie theater with a soundtrack. We're a family. And I know, look at me in the eyes. I know that the church has done a horrible job in the past of pushing sinners away. And acting like the Pharisees at times, like I don't have the same kind of sin that you do. But that's changing. It's changed here, it's not the same here. We're a place where everyone can belong. Everyone. Including you. Including me. You know, I think the church, Tim Keller said this, the church should look more like an emergency room, waiting room, an emergency or doctor's office waiting room, than that of someone going to a job interview, right? In going to a job interview, you've got everything perfect, shaved and buttoned up, and you've never worn a button-up shirt and a tie, but you're wearing one now, and you got your resume with no flaws in it whatsoever. Everything is perfect. I've rehearsed my speech, I've rehearsed my stance I make eye contact to show that I'm confident. Everything is awesome. You go to a doctor's office waiting room and you're just covering your mouth because you don't want to get that guy's deal. Go to the ER and the guy's got a bone sticking out. If it's an ER that I visit, I'm on the floor yelling, screaming. Somebody throwing up over there. Someone over here using the restroom and they are embarrassed and humiliated. And nobody's trying to look perfect. We're just trying to find some help. And maybe in the right situation, you say, hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, here's what's wrong with me. And that's what church should look like: the waiting room. Nobody's got this thing figured out. We're all just a little jacked up. We're just trying to get better. That's the blessings of obedience. To God's word is the blessing of a family. The second thing is the blessing of identity. Our culture would say that your identity is bound up in your sexuality. It's bound up in your past. And that is false. It's not even remotely true. If your sexuality was your identity, then your sexuality would be everything. Fulfilling your sexual desire would then be the key to being a whole and complete human. Therefore, if you're not sexually fulfilled... Your life is no longer worth living. Jesus says something completely different. He teaches us that, hey, your identity is not found in your desires or your actions or your past. Can I get an amen for that? But it's in the fact that I am yours and you are mine. The obedience of following the word, the blessing of a new identity is there. For some of you in this room, you need to know that today. Because when you look back, you see more dirt and junk than you see good stuff. And you need to know you're not the summation of your past. He's got a new identity for you. The last blessing is a relationship with Jesus. John 6, 35 says this. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Now, for some of us, that's challenging because we don't need to really eat a ton of bread anymore, especially if you're on the Whole30 or the Atkins or whatever else. You go to a restaurant, they bring it to your table, they like push it away. But this was sustenance for them. He's saying, I'm everything. I'm the bread of life. I am all that you need. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying, I am the one, and the only one who can satisfy you. And if you think that anyone else can fulfill you, then you're not going to be a healthy person to be in a relationship with. Because people are going to let you down. There's going to be some trouble and some hurts and some habits that are formed, but Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus. It's not about what category of sin you fit into. It's about a family where everyone can belong, and yes, there are constraints. Yes, there are standards, but it's for our benefit, It's because a blessing follows that. And this is not a season, listen to me, Christian, this is not a season to stand up and talk about what we're against. This is a season to stand up and talk about what we're for. We're a waiting room where everyone's a little bit broken, everyone's a little bit hurt, and we all need just a little bit more Jesus. Can I get an amen? We all need just a little bit more Jesus. And the beautiful thing about him is he's always waiting for us a story in the New Testament, a parable Jesus tells about a very rich man who had two sons and one of them comes and he says, I want everything that I desire. I want my inheritance and I want to go live like I want to live. And this father gives his son his inheritance early and he goes out and he blows it. Gets a lot of friends real quick and then they're all gone because he's in the midst of poverty. In fact, the Bible says that he was feeding pigs and eating from the same trough experienced the shame and the condemnation of the decisions that led him there. And he finally had this thought, man, if I just go back and just be a servant to my father. Even my my father's servants eat better than this. And so he begins the long journey home. The Bible shares the, the, the picture of the father who sees the son coming from a long way off. And I get this picture every time I see the story of the dad on the front porch holding onto the beam, just waiting and looking. With servants down the road saying, hey, someday my son's coming home. And when he does, you tell me because I'm ready for him. Some of the servants are like, don't you realize what he's done with your wealth? No honor to your name. He's basically spit in your face. He doesn't care about how you live or how you taught him. He's done everything he wanted to do. And the father says, I don't care because he's my son. And nothing will ever change the way that I love him boy gets closer and closer and the father sees him and he doesn't wait for the son to get all the way to the home but he takes off running and he meets the son and he grabs him and he hugs him and he says welcome home the greatest blessing that follows this obedience to the scripture is a relationship with Jesus who just like that father if we just say yes to him he says welcome home With all your baggage, with all your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups, you've got a family where you belong. If you're here today, and you've never just said yes to Jesus, today's your time. You don't have to fix all your issues, you don't have to be perfect, but I'm just telling you, you can begin a life you've never experienced before. Just like the scripture says, he's the bread of life, he's everything that you need, and if you're here today... You can be a part of that, and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to say, Jesus, I give you my life. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to challenge everyone in here who's never made that declaration in your heart, just right where you're seated. We're not going to embarrass you, but right there. Just pray that prayer from the depths of your heart and let God do something new. And some of you in this room today, you've been running from God. And in the area of sexuality, you've been making choices that you need to change today. Today's the day to repent and turn back to God. And he's waiting. You might have to make some changes in the future. But just start by making a decision to recommit your life to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Nobody moving. Just for a few more minutes. We're almost done. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, when I do so, would you just repeat after me in your heart? And if you're here and you've been running from God, today is the day to come back to him. You pray this prayer from the depths of your heart and let's begin an amazing journey. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want everyone to repeat after me out loud so nobody's embarrassed and do it from the beginning. Just say, dear God, I know you're real. I know you love me. I know you've given me purpose. But I've got sin in my life. I feel separated. Would you forgive me in my sin? And everybody in this room, just say this phrase. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com, or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Till next time, Orange County.